Welcome to Rooftop Church. This podcast is part of our Sunday sermon series, where each week we dive into the Word of God and the powerful message of Christ. You know, my experience of racism or differences or discrimination came very early. In fact, at the, as soon as my life here in the States began, I faced various forms of racism. You know, I I immigrated to the United States when I was just 12 years old. And upon preparing myself to come to this foreign land, a land of opportunity, land of freedom, land of abundance of all things, I was cautioned early by my parents that I was going into, we were going into someone else's country. That this was not our country. Never have they conveyed that this would one day would be or should be our own country. So early on, I was told and prepared by my parents that when you live in someone else's country, there are certain ways that you should do. There are certain ways that you should live. There are certain ways that you should behave. Basically said, mistreatment is expected. Discrimination, hatred were to be expected as I was called to be an immigrant, meaning living in someone else's country. And the best advice that I received from my parents, upon facing injustice, upon facing racism, I don't even think that I knew that word back in the days. I was simply told, stick to your own kind for any kind of support and just survive and fight through however way you can. And lo and behold, As soon as I started going to school, I experienced exactly what my parents had warned me about. Weird. I expected from the white folks, the African Americans, in my young mind, I expected that, well, this was their country. But I certainly did not expect it from all types of different colors, the Latinos, different Asians. It came from all direction. And the most common saying of racism that I heard growing up was, go back to where you came from. Go back. And I was reminded what my parents had warned me about was was going to be the reality of my life going forward. To be honest, when I look back, I don't even remember feeling that upset because, again, it was expected and I had prepared myself for it. If there's a greater commotion, a greater greater word that conveys what my emotion was, I would probably say confused. In the early 1990s, my parents had a small business, a gas station slash small uh, groceries market in the center of South Central LA. They worked behind a bulletproof glass window because there was always a danger of getting shot at. Why? Because at that time, many small business owners, particularly many Korean small business owners working and operating small business in in these areas were often targets of hate, targets of crime. And I saw them firsthand, utterly defenseless. And God knows how many insults were thrown at them, curse words, snares of not just discrimination, but degradation mocking their poor English, domineering over the fact that they would do nothing in return. 
I've also had other family members who were held at gunpoint multiple times. In those moments, they were simply told to do nothing, hold still, just let it pass if we wanted to live. Do nothing, hold still, wait until this passes. These words have echoed so loudly and for so long. That was the only way that I knew to live in this country. Deal with any type of racism, mistreatment that I saw and that I received. I lived in 24 years, 27 years before I could officially call myself a citizen of this wonderful country. And 31 years later, I'm not quite sure if I feel any less different. Do I face any less racism? Do I feel any different than I did more than two decades ago? And my confession to all of you this morning is that that's how I lived even as a Christian. It's not that I didn't feel the emotions It's not that I didn't understand what was going on. It's not that I didn't care more for then those that were speaking up. It was simply too much. I didn't have the power to handle it. I didn't know enough to do the right thing. And my past hurts. My own anger and frustration always stopped me from engaging this ugly part of the world that we all live in. But today, I'm asked a question. How is Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, calling all of us to overcome racism in our world? How are we to respond? And what are we to do, if at all, that we should do anything? The second thing I want to charge all of us to do this morning is that involve yourself. Involve yourself. We cannot be passive. You know, when I was contemplating upon and reflecting upon the recent events and asking God desperately how I'm to respond in faith, my faith in Jesus Christ, and I was reminded of the parable of the Good Samaritan. You know, the parable that is told in Luke chapter 10, When Jesus was asked about someone, how one could inherit eternal life. In other words, what unique thing must I adhere to that conveys my faith in the truth of the kingdom of God? And Jesus says, he lays down the most or the greatest commandment. He says, love the Lord your God with everything that you have, your mind, soul, and body, with every fiber of being. Love the Lord your God. And he attaches a second form of the command. He says, now love your neighbor as yourself. And the one that asked the question inquires, Jesus, tell me who my neighbor is. Tell me, help me to identify whom I should love. And Jesus tells this beautiful, powerful parable of a man who was on his way and is robbed in broad daylight and is left half dead, beaten, 
robbed of all of the possession that the man had and was left on the side of the road, simply left to die. And there were people walking and entering this scene. The first was a priest. The priest saw what happened. The priest saw the man was in great danger. The priest felt the, 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 the risk and the severity of the danger that this man was in. He saw it, ignored it, went about his day, left the scene. Second man enters the scene. He was a Levite, another just a, a, a prominent leader in a church. The Levite sees the man in pain, robbed, left in the middle of the street to die eventually. He sees the same thing. He walks right by him. And the third man enters the scene as a Samaritan. As you may know, he's an outsider, outcast, is a for, considered foreigner, someone who is easily not associated with other Jews. Upon seeing this man dying, the Samaritan chose to stop, paused, associated himself with the pain and the suffering this man was in. He helps him up. He takes him to the inn nearby. And he tells the owner of the inn, saying, you know what? I will come back tomorrow and make sure that this person is alive and well. And whatever expenses, he not only helped him in that scene at that moment, but he troubled himself to be a part of the ongoing suffering. And he made sure that this man was being cared for until he was healthy again. You see, we're supposed to stop going where we're going. When we see injustice, when we see pain and suffering in our world, you and I are supposed to stop whatever it is that we're doing and move out of the spirit of compassion. Compassion is not just a feeling. Compassion is not just sympathy. Compassion is empathy. Compassion is a choice willfully made to choose to suffer together. Compassion is stopping our, all of our own agendas and to stop and be with those that are hopeless. Be with those to stand together and suffer together with those that do not have the voice, that do not have the means or the ability to place themselves in better situation. You and I are supposed to be overwhelmed with a sense of responsibility, not tolerating pain, not tolerating suffering to continue on and to go unnoticed, unacknowledged, and unaddressed. Church, you and I are supposed to commit ourselves to see change, bring relief, and commit to do all that we can to make sure that this world is in a better place. I assume that some of you, if not many of you, have seen the video clip of George Floyd, Floyd, a man already handcuffed, he's pinned down to the ground. Three men, three officers were on him. And one particular officer had his knee 
bearing all of his weight on the throat of George Floyd, where he had no power to stand, speak, or breathe. As I forced myself to watch the video more than once, more than twice, and to be hearing the words, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. In spite of the injustice and the violent killing of a man in such an unexpected way, to me, it was no more troubling than the another person in the scene. For me, the troubling, most troubling thing about the video was the cop that stood right next to Mr. Floyd. While watching the whole thing go down, he saw, he heard the plea. He heard not only the plea of the man dying, but he also heard the pleas of the crowd that was gathered around them, warning him of the situation. He heard the plea and the warning of the bystanders, and that officer chose to do nothing. I get it. Maybe it was out of the fraternity of between the police officers that they had. They did not involve themselves in what their partners are doing. And the cop being Asian, it was more upsetting because in him, I saw myself. In him, I saw myself in all of those years. And the words echoed even louder. Do nothing. Hold still. Wait till it passes. I was infuriated, not just at the officer who was standing by. I was upset at myself. I was upset at the whole world. Injustice happening. And we choose over and over again to do nothing. We close our eyes. We look away. We hold our breath, hoping and praying that in our silence, that in our stillness, that the suffering and the pain will go away. This cannot be. This cannot continue to happen and we continue to disassociate ourselves. And we must not wait for this to settle and just hope for the best. And the challenge for me and I, you and me is is to not just sit there, but for us to stop. If we have to turn away from where we were going, our responsibility is to fully feel the pain and the agony of those that are suffering. Our job, your job, my job as Christians, as lovers of God and followers of Christ, is to stand together with those that are suffering is to hurt together with those that are fighting to live. Throughout the week, 
So many things happening. I, I'm not sure exactly on what day these riots happened to occur in all the cities, through many cities around this country. And I know that even now, our own very city, LA City, is in the middle of facing a citywide riot. And I came across this another picture. Another incident took place last night where an officer was separated from his unit. And he was surrounded by a sea of protesters where so many things, uh, people were not hesitating to use violence, brute force. Stores were robbed or stores were being looted, being destroyed. And this police officer got separated from his unit. And they came across a, a, a bystanders, the protesters, gather around this officer who was left behind by his unit, created a human shield, and leaving us this powerful image, in spite of violence, in spite of pursuing their own agenda, they had the word with them, they had the, a sound of mind to stop and, and, and trouble themselves to protect this man who was left alone in vulnerable situation. There is something that you and I can do. There must be something that you and I will do as we see continuously hate, violence, misunderstanding, intolerance, I know that what I feel in my heart, the things that spirit is compelling my heart to do, I cannot do this on my own. It is simply not possible on my own. I need help. I need all the help that I can get. The pain that I feel, the injustice that I see and hear, I need the power of God. I need the power of the Holy Spirit to stir within me. I need the power of the Holy Spirit to compel me, push me, and launch forward as I choose to stand with those that are suffering, moving me, thrusting me forward, accompanying me, anointing me with his love and power. Reading the news, watching the news through various platforms last night, it took me back to almost 30 years ago. I experienced the LA riot in 1992. I was a mere teenager, but I remember as it happened, as if, as if it happened just yesterday. I remember being home, scared, nervous, Uncertain of how different life would be going forward. I was uncertain of my own life. I was uncertain of the safety and welfare of my own parents. Back then, I was not a believer. Back then, I did not have the comfort of God's faithful presence. Back then, I could not discern 
nor did I care the will of God, nor did I care to carry out God's desire. But now things are different. I can very well hear God. I can hear him clearly. I feel his pain. I feel his love even in all of this mess. And I cry out and I, and I pray because that's all I can do. Because that's the first thing that I should do. And that's all we can do for now. That's the first thing that we should do. And we must. I want to share with you a song. And I sang this song this morning multiple times as my desperate cry, as my desperate prayer unto God. It must have been the Holy Spirit because I had not heard, I had not seen or sung this song just as long. Probably 1995 was the last time I heard this song. But the Holy Spirit somehow brought this to my knowledge. And I want to just simply share this song with you as our prayer for all of us. We confess the sins of our nation. And Lord, we are guilty of a prayerless life. We've turned away our hearts from your laws and have taken for granted your unchanging grace. Turn away this curse from our country. We say that we've robbed you and your storehouses are bare. Open wide the floodgates of heaven. Rebuke the devourer so we may not be destroyed. You said that if we would humble ourselves and begin to pray, you would heal our barren land and cleanse us with your rain. Don't pass us by. Let this be the generation, Lord, that lifts up your name to all the world. Save us, O God. Save a people for yourself, O Lord. Let the fear of the Lord be their standard. Save us, O God. Cleanse us from our unfaithfulness. Let the place where we live be called a house of prayer. Church, as we bring to close the message portion of today's service, I would like to call for all of you to join me in prayer today. A prayer of repentance a prayer for plea for mercy from God, a prayer asking God that we would be used as conduits of God's grace and love. So friends, would you join me in prayer right now? I've shared today my own experiences it's just simply my story. And perhaps you carry and you live with a unique story of your own. Perhaps you carry different thought, opinion, or even emotion concerning 
the racial injustice, different injustices that we experience and see in this world. But together, let's be joined. Let's fix our eyes on God. Let's inquire of the Lord what he may be desiring for all of us. I'm going to close us in prayer right now. In just a minute, I will charge all of us to join in prayer, asking God to come as we repent of our sins, as we convey our brokenness and our weaknesses, that God would come and begin the work of healing all of us, begin the work of healing this land. God, we come to you right now. Holy Spirit, we call upon your power. God, as we are left speechless, as we are paralyzed in fear, frustration, anger, and brokenness, God, all we can ask is that you would come and heal this land, God. And God, we will not any longer stay silent. We will not any longer be indifferent of what is going on. Give us the courage to care more. Give us the courage to listen. Give us the courage and the patience and the mercy to listen to, Lord. Fill our hearts with compassion, even now, Lord. Church, let's go to God in prayer. Let's repent. Let's plead for his mercy. Let's ask God to use us in this season to be used by him.
Friends, I want to ask you to pray with me at this time for all those that are in the front line of dealing with this issue. As conveyed earlier, the, the city of LA is left uncertain and, and spoke with a member this morning that the National Guards are not deployed and uh, our own brother Daniel Coe is, is, is being sent to the front line of dealing with this. So uh, would you join me in prayer for those that are all the law enforcement, the military, as they are handling, being called to handle the situation. Let's pray for the safety of every individual, that God may be with them, that God may use every single one of them as vessel of peace and love, that they may be used in, in reconciling and uniting and bring to an end the violence that we see. Let's pray together. God, we take the time to pray for those that are in the front line, oh Father, for all those that are being called to, uh, to the very scene where they're facing violence, God, where people are acting, people are out there, God, and, and hurting one another, Lord Jesus, looting God, breaking down the small businesses, Lord. And there's uncertainty, Lord God, there's great danger in our neighboring city. God, we pray for all the law enforcement. God, we pray for all the military units being deployed right at this instance, Lord. God, may you protect them, God. May you provide a hedge of protection over them, oh Jesus, God. God, fill their hearts with your peace. Fill their hearts with your love, Lord. God, may they exercise their faith as well. May they confide in you. May they be infueled by the comfort that you can bring uniquely upon them, Lord Jesus. Yes, God. God, God what a year 2020 has been. You got one thing for sure is that we are overwhelmed. God, we are outmatched by what we see and what we are struck with, Lord. God, in this time, may we be faithful in seeking your face. May we be faithful in pleading for your hand of mercy to come upon this land, God. Bring about healing, Lord. God, as your people, as your people, God, we do not relent in praying for justice. We do not stop praying for your hand of mercy to come, Lord. Accompany us in all that we do. God, we lift up our hearts onto you. Minister to us, Lord. Speak to us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray.